Adventure Seekers Welcome, Jedi, Ninja, and Wizards Tolerated. I'm your host, Ran Law. Pursue some path, however narrow and crooked, in which you can walk with love and reverence. Henry David Thoreau. My email address is rand at rand-lawrence.com. My webpage is www.rand-lawrence.com. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both. And be one traveler, long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could, to where it bent in the undergrowth, then took the other as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for the passing there, had worn them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay, and leaves no steps had trodden black. Yet knowing how way leads unto way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood, and I took the one less traveled by, and that had made all the difference. The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost the world's worst chili was a debate that sprung out of a camping trip after the royal court and i had practiced our invisibility training we decided it was getting to be about supper time and so we all chipped in to make one of our favorite meals which happened to be campfire chili now part of the debate was the ingredients everyone had their favorite additives one thing that everyone in the royal court could agree on was meat. They all wanted beef. They all wholeheartedly agreed that chili without beef was un-American. Personally, I preferred ground turkey in my chili. But they considered this vegetarian chili, and they refused to eat it. That was until this last campout where I devised a way to appease everyone. I did this by deceit and trickery, the hallmarks of martial art training. After all, all combat and cooking is based on deception. The way I went about performing this miracle was having everyone submit their favorite ingredients and recipe to me before each camp hike had begun. The deal was I would do the cooking and no one would know whose recipe I was following. I would have all of the ingredients that had been given to me and I would pack them along with my gear. Then for our final meal together, I would make a pot of campfire chili without divulging who the which recipe and whose ingredients I was utilizing. After the meal was consumed, everyone wrote down a number between zero and ten to indicate how much they enjoyed the meal. The trick for me was to make everyone believe that each time I was cooking, I was utilizing their recipe, which wasn't very difficult to do, as everyone had brought me their personal selection of frozen ingredients so that the only thing I had to do was to tote the ingredients to the campfire where I combined them and set aside plastic bags that contained the rest of the ingredients that I considered excessive. All of the royal court was well aware of my personal preference for mild to medium spicy chili. Everyone had agreed to this stipulation for me preparing the chili and it also helped with the trickery. Because everybody's chili was basically the same, primary differences were how many chilies and what type of chilies were utilized, and a few of them insisted on beef broth instead of tomato juice or water. It seemed that all of them disliked the extra thick style of chili, so I never had to 
add refried beans to thicken the sauce. This allowed me to introduce my ground turkey chili, which I prepared at each gathering. Almost every time, the secret ballot revealed that the chili was very good, even excellent, and the numbers ranged from 8 to 9.5. Whenever the members of the royal court had been convinced that their chili recipe had been followed, it scored somewhere in the 9 to 9.5 range. Although the numbers of the secret ballot were kept quiet until final pot of chili had been served, the people who believed that the recipe had been utilized usually gave a speech that it was a pretty good chili, although not quite as good as they made it, as some of the final ingredients had obviously had to be added to their individual bowls after the chili had cooked. So therefore, it did lose some of its nuance. This speech was predicated on the discovery of their personal favorite ingredients, chopped, sliced, or diced in the manner that they had prepared their ingredients. So when it came time to tally up the votes, surprisingly enough, it was a dead heat between the first and last pots of campfire chili. And, as agreed upon earlier, our tiebreaker would be decided by Sensei. Everyone agreed that he would be an excellent tiebreaker, as when he first came to this country, he spent his first few years in Texas working in the dojo of one of his friends. Sensei always showed a particular affinity to all things cowboy and Texan. So when I had to present Sensei with the two different chilies, I just made one pot and divided it in half and allowed him to make his own selection. I was pretty certain I was going to win. After all, all of the chilies that we had consumed on the trail had been mine. So when Sensei took a small scoop of each bowl individually, he paused for a moment as if deciding. But to all of our surprise, he declared that this was not chili. Either bowl. It was cowboy soup. Real chili was thick and had no beans, except maybe some refried beans to thicken it up, and a lot more jalapenos. Although he did declare that this was the best cowboy soup he had ever had, once he added enough peppers to give it some flavor. He then brought out some of his homemade Texas-style chili. It was so thick that you could turn the bowl upside down and none of the chili would come out. I abstained from tasting it, as I knew anything that Sensei cooked could take the hide right off of my tongue. But all the members of the royal court had decided to go ahead and taste the thick chili that Sensei had prepared. They had all bolted for the bag of corn chips, sour cream, and cornbread, anything to absorb some of the pepper oil that was burning their tongues and their very souls. Sensei smiled when he saw this and said, It's good. Hot. Yes? They all agreed, and after we all left, they petitioned me for an answer as to which chili was the best. And it was at this time that I revealed that the turkey chili that I prepared for every meal was my favorite. Do you ever wonder what wizards chat about? I used to, and I finally figured out what it was that they conversed about. Of course it was magic. What else is there for a wizard to talk about? But I'm not talking about sleight of hand or kind of magic that relies on evil power or outside forces. There's no arcane spells needed for real magic. Real magic exists in your heart. Things that you love. Things that mystify you and enthrall your attention. Real wizards write poetry, sing songs, and play instruments. These things can cast a spell or create a mood. They can even write screenplays. George Lucas, for example, 
Then again, even good wizards can go down a dark path. George Lucas, for example. Episode 4, 5, and 6, or 1, 2, and 3 by the original count, before he went down the dark path. In 1977, my life changed. I had just lost my first love. I had suffered an injury that almost crippled me. Heck, it almost killed me. But that was nothing new. I had already been captured, tortured, and killed, and then revived. And somewhere along the line, I had come to realize that everything I had been told was not true. At least it wasn't from my point of view. It was at this time I decided to embark upon another path, something safer. So I went and volunteered for the Marines. But they seemed to be just trying to hold on to the people they already had. And it seemed that all of the other branches of the service were in a similar situation. At least that's how it seemed when I went into the recruiting office. On the other hand, I always got the guys in the black suits, black ties, who seemed very interested in signing me up. But I wasn't interested in that. I had already experienced double cross and betrayal. In fact, enough to last me the rest of my life. Although that didn't prove to be true. But that's another story. I had always wanted to be a writer, a cartoonist, a detective, or the next Bruce Lee. I wanted to teach martial arts, but I felt unfit for the job. I couldn't claim workman's compensation because, according to the records, I'd never had an injury, or at least not working for who I supposedly worked for. In fact, they didn't even exist. I worked for years for no one. However, if I was able to get a job with the military, I was certain that I would be able to hold myself together long enough to find out what was really wrong with me. As it was, I hadn't told anyone about my injury or the loss of strength in my left arm, but that would come and go, just depending on how I slept on it. I'd been able to fake my way through my job for years. I was able to do this because whenever I was feeling good, I exercised like a fiend. I would do hundreds and even thousands of calisthenics a day, but at any given time, a sneeze or a cough, I could throw my back out or turn the wrong way and could barely hold on to a cup of tea or deadlift a box of Kleenex. This was a big deal to me. I was young and a lefty. I'd been screwed out of my college scholarships. I had started college coursework in my early teens, but that's another story too. As it was, I worked around my injury the best I could, but honestly had all but given up on myself. Then, one day, while practicing with my boken behind the partial screen of the hedges, a driver had spotted me from adjacent highway. He and others began to hurl insults at me, watching me practice kinjutsu. Of course, they only saw a nut playing with a stick. However, the very next day, once again working with one of my training partners, when the same thing happened, except the response had changed. I was no longer being called names, well, other than Luke Skywalker, who I had no idea who Luke Skywalker was. But people were now enamored with what I was doing, and they were yelling encouragement. One fellow stood up in the backseat of his convertible just to have a better view. Of course, all this was happening before the internet, and I couldn't Google who Luke Skywalker was. So I went to the paper and looked around, and that's when I found out about Star Wars. It just so happened that I did look a bit like Luke Skywalker, at least I was young, and I had hair. It's hard to believe, but it was about the same color as Mark Hamill's. Still, the rest is history, and I found out that martial artists can be wizards too, as long as they spend some of their time talking about the Force and possibly Firefly, Dune, 
and the Lord of the Rings. Watch your thoughts, for they become words. Watch your words, for they become actions. Watch your actions, for they become habits. Watch your habits, for they become character. Watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. Until next time, this is Rain Law reminding you to follow your dreams.